The 2TM News Podcast with Romy Gilbert, all thanks to Super Steel Tamworth. There's Steel, and then there's Super Steel Tamworth. Today I have uh, joining me on the podcast, Joe Townsend. He is the regional manager for the New England Northwest uh, for Business New South Wales. Joe, thanks so much for chatting with me today. You're welcome, Rami. Awesome. So we're just going to have a bit of a chat about uh, the COVID-19, what it's doing in our region to our businesses and our workers. Uh, obviously, it's, it's ever-changing, ever-evolving. It's different this year than it was last year, and there's so many different varying factors. It's, it's complicated stuff, but you're, you've got more of an idea about it than I do. So I just first question is, in general, how does this year compare to last year for our local, local businesses? Look, we've been talking with businesses throughout the whole, uh, I guess, pandemic. And what is most notable is, like, last year, whilst it was shocked that the economy went into complete, like, you know, lockdown and, and this COVID scenario played on it, this year with this ongoing sort of COVID fatigue, um, we're definitely seeing a number of businesses starting to struggle to keep up with that rapid change of pace. Um, and the changing restrictions and new support measures continually, like, you know, altering and, and eligibility criteria coming in abroad, um, is starting to lead to a lot of confusion out there in the marketplace. Do you, you go out and interact with these businesses and you're speaking one-on-one -on -one with business owners, is that right? Correct. Yeah. And so how are the people responding to the changing restrictions? Are people kind of... Uh, adapting and feeling as if, you know, it is what it is and this is just what we have to do? Or are people feeling a little bit, you know, angry that there's not clearer instructions or that things are changing as often? Look, in the most recent, uh, I guess, lockdown, there was a lot of anxiety in regional New South Wales. The, the restrictions at the moment uh, with everyone having to wear face masks, employees having to wear face masks whilst they're serving customers and in the workplace is the most evolved uh, restrictions that we've actually faced here in regional New South Wales since the pandemic started. Um, so that took a lot of, of learning and getting used to it. It was something that our metro counterparts had experienced last year, public, like, like you know, face masks on, on public transport and the likes. And so that took a lot of getting used to. And we continue to see from community that individuals and residents aren't really wanting to, uh, I guess, adapt to wearing face masks and QR code. And unfortunately, the employees of these businesses are having to cop that on the nose because they're the ones interacting with um, residents and, and community members day in, day out. Um, what I'm hoping that we will see is that uh, individuals will recognise that this is government legislation, their requirements to try and help keep everyone safe, uh, not necessarily take it out on the business owners or employees, but, um, yeah, start to accept that this is something that we kind of have to learn to live with at the moment. Absolutely. I mean, I don't know how much more clear we can make it that it's not no one wants this and it's no one's fault in particular and it's definitely no fault of the of the workers. It's well and truly messages coming from the authorities. But I suppose one way to look at it, you know, we're not locked down, we're not stuck inside our houses. Um, we, we're allowed out to use our legs. Yes, we have to wear a mask. It's, un it's not great, but I suppose all of our friends out back in Sydney are, are maskless sitting on the couch. I don't know which one I'd prefer. 
Um, they are indeed. I think that's one of the things that we've got to look at and also accept how quickly things can change. We saw there last week that Orange went into like a snap lockdown once they were a little bit cautious of that. And that can easily happen to any region in, in New South Wales. And I'm sure that we're not immune from that ourselves. So I know the police yesterday picked up a truck driver coming up from Sydney. So um, it only takes one of these uh, instances to fall into the community and, and we may have those greater restrictions. So we should be quite thoughtful and, and thankful for what we've got at the moment. Totally. And it's kind of surprising that it hasn't kicked off since the Orange situation. Uh, but great news, obviously, and obviously we'll just see how that see how that pans out. But feeling pretty confident with the regions currently, um, although not complacent. On the back of that, what kind of what does our regional economy provide for the broader state? If I don't think people fully understand that, if we were to close, what that would look like, uh, the flow-on effect for the rest of the state. Uh, like, what what did, what do the regions provide in terms of the state economy? Look, uh, I, I don't actually have the exact statistics in front of me, but it's around twelve. Um, I think of um, gross state produce. Uh, it comes from from our region. That includes, like you know, uh, we have the extractive resources such as coal and, and gas coming from our region. But uh, primarily, our agriculture is is probably the backbone of our industry. And cotton, for example, is a two billion dollar industry in our in our region, and that provides a lot of job opportunities. And I guess, creation. Um, what we really need to sort of look at for our regions, how we can do the value adding here. So rather than shipping our, our grain and cotton down to, like, you know, manufacturing hubs where they might make bread down on the central coast, uh, look at how we can take that wheat that we produce and, and actually create the, the bread up in our neck of the woods. Uh, there's a variety of uh, opportunities there, I think, for us. What would actually happen if we went into a full lockdown I guess for the rest of the, the economy is just that flow-on effect at the moment from our agriculture. They, they won't necessarily have to be locked down, but that's one of the key things that we do provide to the state that obviously they just wouldn't be able to, to operate. Um, and dairy is one of our other great avenues up, up along that New England region where we have higher rainfall. Um, yeah, they, they contribute a lot to our milking industry. So obviously agriculture is such, a, such an important industry and that's why we are really lucky out here that we're able to keep kind of working. On that, there are some businesses that have benefited from the economic environment and there are some that obviously have suffered more than others. Is there kind of a way of, of outlining, you know, things that worked well for some organisations? Yeah, so I guess over the last 18 months, you're dead right. We've had a two-speed economy. Uh, some industries have, have done poorly and others have done exceptionally well. Agriculture has been very fortunate that we saw the drought um, not end but subside a little bit with that rain commencing there in early 2020 and giving confidence back to the community that agriculture, which flows through every part of our, our economy, uh, was going to return. And we've been very fortunate now over the last 18 months to get significant rainfall events so that we're not in that such critical sort of drought component that we were 18 months ago, two years ago. Um, so they've done exceptionally well, as like has health and, and the likes. The ones that have really been, uh, I guess, hardest hit are the ones that are in hospitality, accommodation providers, uh, international markets, and also our travel agencies. Mm -hmm. uh, they've all really, I guess, struggled, um, and not for reasons that people automatically assume. So... Um, I guess hospitality, whilst it has been very difficult, they've been limited to square meterage. One of their key components that uh, has been a roadblock is actually the skill shortages and finding suitable employees. Employees in these industries at the moment have uh, had really good, reliable jobs 
historically. Like, you know, if they want a weekend shift, they were able to get weekend shifts and work night times. But due to this lockdown, there's, there's created a lot of insecurity amongst those workforce. So they've actually started transitioning into those other areas like health and, uh, I guess, aged care and community services that aren't as, as variable. Uh, and, uh, yeah, there's that creation there that's, that's happening. What we have seen in the economy, uh, I guess, when we talk about jobs for the region, is that there's been a, a net decrease over the last 18 months since COVID commenced. Um, whilst we would like that to have been balanced out, like, you know, with the, the businesses that are going great, uh, and those that aren't going so well, we just haven't seen that quite come to fruition yet. Um, and hopefully we will in the future. So what needs to be done, do you think, Joe, to help level out that skills shortage crisis? Yeah, look, skills are a very difficult, uh, I guess, topic because it depends on the industry. Uh, one of the, the catalysts for us has been, obviously, the international markets being closed. We haven't had that flow and effect from international residents that come over and want to, like, you know, work hospitality, work as chefs. Uh, and those, those skilled migration availabilities. Uh, what we do need is just some consistency for that workforce. So I can completely empathise with those that are casuals in, in hospitality and have their shifts changing constantly. Uh, and then when we go into a lockdown, like we saw in, in Sydney, um, and even throughout different restrictions, like you just don't have that security, so they're, they're transitioning to the other workforce. So once we can get, I guess, the community vaccinated and we start living with the virus, that then will hopefully see that bench line. Whilst we probably all thought that we were there without the vaccinations before this latest Sydney um, I guess the spread in the Delta strain has, has really exemplified it, that that will be the catalyst now. Once um, once the community's back to that vaccination rate and we're all aware of how we're living with COVID, uh, then hopefully you'll get the reliability and the confidence for individuals to return to the hospitality sector. Do you live week by week or month by month or do you, do you have a, like a three-month kind of buffer period for yourself just out of curiosity? I'm currently just 11am every day is how I'm living at the moment. I think everyone's like that. I tune into the program every day uh, and you go listen to some of the wordings because things change. Uh, so at the start of last week or, or over the weekend when Sydney uh, went into those harder restrictions, there was a, a clause put in part of the public health orders that actually required all businesses in New South Wales uh, to enc- like encourage or require their staff to actually work from home mm. where possible. Um, and so that popped up on the Saturday, Sunday. Uh, we saw it and then we, we had meetings with the Premier's office and that was ultimately removed then on the Tuesday. Um, and that created a lot of confusion for all businesses in, in New South Wales. Mm. Did we have to allow our staff to work from home on the Monday, Tuesday? Was it uh, an over, I guess, exemplified legislation change, which is what the Premier sort of put it down to at the time? So... Definitely living day by day at the moment uh, makes it very difficult. And so was that revoked, what the Premier said about all regional workers having to work from home if they could? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, the requirement to, like, have your workers work from home uh, has been revoked. But now an employer throughout New South Wales must allow their employee to work from home um, if so required. Obviously, the idea there is to try and minimise any community spread if COVID was to get into a community and, and stop anybody travelling around as much as possible. So um, for professional services, that's somewhat easy because they, they take their laptop home and whatnot. But for those in, uh, I guess, 
consumer trades where you're, you're dealing with people, it's, it's a lot harder and um, we don't want to see that lockdown occur for them. Absolutely. It's a bit different out here in the regions as well, for sure. And so job keeper. There's been quite a bit of conversation around that lately. It's a bit of a hot topic. Victoria never got it, so people don't think New South Wales should have it. Do you think that these lockdowns should warrant the JobKeeper to come back? Look, we're, we're definitely pushing for something that is scalable, supports capital-intensive businesses and allows the IR flexibility that JobKeeper had uh, last year. I think the key difference at the moment is that we don't, in New South Wales, see an end to, to this. The Delta strain is highly uh, transmittable and obviously, like, you know, we've been in lockdown now for, for a month. Um, there's, there's no known when this is going to happen, um, so there needs to be that support there, particularly to try and keep the relationship between employee and employer because that is what worked so well with the job keeper last year. Yeah, that gives people the confidence as well to for the future because I think one of the main things for me in my anxiousness about the state of the world is that the future is just so uncertain. So being able to stay in touch with an employer would probably lift that for a lot of people. Um, yeah, and that's exactly what we see is that confidence uh, from both an employee's and employer's perspective will create that stability that we're, we're lacking at the moment. And there are quite a few support packages in place. Uh, what are the, some of the main packages that people in the regions, in particular our region, should be thinking about if they have seen a decline in turnover? So I guess there's probably two elements. One, if you're an employee uh, who has had their hours reduced or, or cut entirely, um, there's the federal government's, uh, I guess, COVID-19 disaster payments. Um, and... We're now eligible for that um, from, I think it was the 18th of July once uh, it came out, um, that anybody who had lost work between 8 and 20 hours was eligible for $375, uh, and anyone over that 20-hour threshold was up to that $600. So they they should be eligible for that, and I would encourage them to jump onto the, the Service Australia website and register it by all accounts. It's meant to be a very simple process if you're an employee to do that, um, to, to obtain that benefit and make certain that you have a little bit of money coming in to cover all your overheads. Uh, from a business's perspective, uh, we've got the Job Saver now coming in, which allows uh, businesses to uh, receive a, a maximum of $10,000 per week um, to help, I guess, cover it. Obviously, they've got to have that downturn in business of 30% um, to qualify for these support measures, which is not probably too unreasonable. Uh, here in our New England region, uh, we did an initial survey once the lockdown did start, and of all the businesses, uh, they sort of had identified that their revenue had been impacted about 37%. So we're starting to see some businesses here that have been impacted by the Sydney lockdown uh, and they should be eligible for these government grants. Absolutely. Just quickly, what are some of those main businesses that have been immediately affected by what's happening in Sydney? So accommodation was definitely hit hard with uh, the Sydney lockdown happening over the school holidays. We saw some businesses go from like 95% occupancy rates down to 20%. So if you've got a 100-bed motel, you've just lost all that additional revenue. And it's not just for the, the business itself, it's those flow-on trades. So the cleaners that would have been coming in to clean those rooms each day, the restaurants that those people would have been staying at and the coffees they would have been buying as they came to visit their family and friends, 
that was really all taken out of the, the economy in those initial two weeks of lockdown. And that kind of sets up a lot of businesses for the, the winter months over, over the colder season. Um, we're not as the most attractive region, but we definitely uh, see that, that toss and turn between school holidays. Um, and the winter makes us less attractive sometimes to certain people. So that, that we've given that cash boost to those accommodation providers uh, during the, the flow on a bit. Mm, yeah, it's terribly disappointing for many, I'm sure. And the last question is a bit of a loaded one. When COVID, if and when COVID lifts and the lockdowns and restrictions leave us, what are some of the economic key economic issues that you think that will be left with? Yeah, uh, it's a it's a real thing. I, I think one of the key uh, issues once COVID uh, has come to to the, I guess stage that the Commonwealth Government wants to reopen Australia. We've seen this big boost in regional tourism uh, over over the last 18 months. People want to explore the backyard, spend local. That's all been fantastic and it's helped, I guess, the economy bounce back as quickly as we did. We had that V-shaped economy uh, recovery, which might turn into a W now as we potentially face a recession in the coming quarters. But I think that will be a real, uh, I guess, risk for, for local people because as people are allowed to travel back overseas, whether it's for holidays or see as a family, um, that will see that money going out of our economy into to foreign economies. So there has to be the right balance between, uh, I guess, allowing people to, to come over here on holidays and not face two weeks of uh, quarantine um, and obviously residents being able to, to go back overseas. Well, I don't have any other questions for you, Joe. I really appreciate your time and thanks very much for all of that information. That's very informative and I really appreciate you having a chat with me this afternoon. Hopefully, if anyone was listening and needed some um, information on any of that, they've learned something that they can do uh, where they can head to Service New South Wales or government websites for some more info. Thanks, thanks for your help, me. Joe. Chat to you later. Bye. I now would like to encourage my listeners to stick around for part two of this podcast episode. Join me as I chat with Kurt Barrow, the Managing Director of Local Business Leading Edge Innovation. Uh, Kurt and I will be chatting about how technology has uh, uh, advanced during this COVID-19 pandemic and how innovation and um, hard work has actually pushed through some of the barriers that COVID-19 has put up for many of our local businesses in the regions. And Kurt will talk us through some of those positive outcomes. That's what's coming up next on part two.